Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. I am Josh Why and I'm joined on the hotline bling by my buddy Josh Woot and it's his birthday weekend, so happy birthday, Josh Woot. Uh, thanks, man. It's Thank uh, you. it's good to have you on the line and how was your birthday weekend? That was good. It was good, boat as usual. Yeah. But it was yeah, lovely. You wouldn't shut up about it. You just kept saying, "Oh, it's my birthday." Yeah. You kept telling everybody. <laughs> yeah, I remember when you, sure, I remember sure, when you sure did, everyone knew. Yeah, you you did that to me when it was my birthday on the pot <laughs> 2 months ago. So the benefit of uh memory there is I get your back. But uh I like the tweet from Max that tweeted us. He walked past the car and the number plate was just woot. And it was on your birthday. I thought that was a uh, quite convenient uh, sighting, sighting from him. Uh, not much, not much going on this week in in our neck of the woods, apart from supposedly some crazy clowns are running around our hometown. Um, I don't know if you've been aware of all this. Yeah, it's uh, a little weird. A little bit weird. There's like a Facebook group, and they post what suburb they're going to be in that night, which I find bizarre. Like, what if you're going to scare people? Why are you going to tell them where you're going to be? Yeah, and the spelling was atrocious too. Campbelltown was spelt the worst way I've ever seen it spelt. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I don't get it at all. I don't know if it's just a a scare thing or they're legitimately messed up, but whatever. I haven't seen a clown yet, so it's fine. Me neither. Originally, I thought it was a circus page and just thought they were, you know, we're coming to town, and then I (laughs) realised that it's pretty sketchy yeah. stuff. So, And of all the places in Australia, apparently they're from the US or whatever, I don't know. But, like, they choose Campbelltown and all the comments are just, like, people just swearing at them that they're going to get bashed. And I was just like, yeah, you guys didn't do your research about what Campbelltown's really like. Like, everyone just wants to bash <laughs> everybody. So, you know, just good luck out there if you are a clown. I think, I think this is a thing that's happening in the US, but there's yep. some random Australians that have tried to adopt it. Yeah. So. There was a thing on the project about Clown Lives Matter, about genuine people that work as clowns, like at kids' parties or like at horror attractions and stuff, that are getting bashed because there was like a few clowns in the US that were like scaring people and luring kids into the woods and all this sort of stuff. So there's been a bit of like a movement about people trying to scare. It all started with those like videos from like the Ukraine or whatever, where those clowns are like faking like killing like a, a fake like yeah, body yeah, yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to scare people, which were funny for a while, but then it's like gets a little bit like everyone tries to copy them and be ridiculous. But anyway, so we'll quit clowning around and let's get into some NFL news. Just a little bit of news before we recap Thursday Night Football. The Chargers cornerback Jason Verrett will undergo surgery to repair a torn left ACL. He's done for the season. Uh, he was he was off to a Pro Bowl-type season start for him. He was uh, locking down Jeremy Macklin, Alan Robinson, 
Brandon Cooks. He struggled with T.Y. Hilton, but it was clear that he was hampered by that knee injury during that game, and and he, he played through it for the last couple of weeks. But now that's another key player out for the Chargers. It's like they have a list of all the best players, and they're just literally just going down the list, ticking them off, saying, yep, all right, we've got that person injured, we've got that person injured. It's horrible. Yeah, I feel so sorry for the Chargers, and especially that now we've selected them as team of the podcast. Oh, man. Yeah, and based on your logic, like, Melvin Ingram will probably be next. Like, that's the next person on the list. Like, if we're going in order of importance, or Philip Rivers. But that guy, he, he's played through a torn ACL before a few years ago in a playoff game, a week after tearing his ACL, got an arthroscope, and strapped, yeah, he, strapped it up. He's, he's, he'll he's go nuts. out there with no arms or legs. Yeah, the guy's, the guy's nuts. And it's it's it sucks for the Chargers because they had a good roster. It just wasn't... Like at the top, and that's where they're losing all these key players because the depth the depth is an issue, and it hurts in late in games, and that's why they keep losing these games is because players get banged up and they don't have the quality to replace them. A lot of teams are built that way, and it and it's unfortunate. But I really thought, you know, based on the way they played, they could have been a playoff team this year, and unfortunately, it just hasn't gone that way. And it feels like it's the last few years now. They seem to lose a lot of key players to injuries. I really, I, I'm not a like. Injuries are quite fluky, but this is at a point now where it's happened a lot for the Chargers, and I'm starting to question what their strength and conditioning processes are, or what their what Mike McCoy's like schedule is like. Is it is it leading players down a track that they're more likely to get injured than other teams? Uh, I don't know. To be honest, man, I think it's still just darn bad luck, mm. and like you've got players like Woodhead that are just generally injury prone anyway. So, I mean, I think it's just unlucky, especially, and then. I think that I think the Chargers are at a point now where they're the best season they could have would be like Bosa performing well. That's where we're at. Just just having some players stand out. Yep. And you know, looking to next season positively. <laughs> looking to their LA debut debut next season uh, and see where it goes from there. No, that's not that's not confirmed. But anyway, yeah, but they do have some good young players. Like Bosa's making his debut this week. Jatavis Brown's looking good at linebacker and and things like that. So and Tyrell Williams is looking pretty good as well. So anyway, we'll see see what they can do. We're, they're still uh, the team that pod. They're still fun to watch because Philip Rivers is is just an amazing quarterback. Uh, moving on to the Redskins, they signed uh, safety Dante Whitner to a one year contract. He was thirty one, released by the Browns in April. Uh, he he was looked at by the Rams, Panthers, and Giants, but now finds his home in Washington, reuniting with Scott McLuhan. Uh, he's going to basically push for a starting job against David uh, Bruton, and this signing's back on the back of D'Angelo Hall going down with an injury. Thoughts on Whitner joining the uh, Redskins? Very minimal thoughts on this. I just <laughs> it's a 31 year old safety. This is where we're at for news this week. Yep. Not bad. Not no, bad. I know. It's uh. Oh, there's a lot of injuries, but we just cover them during during our uh, previews of the game. So, yeah, there wasn't a lot going on. For me, it's like you got a 31-year-old safety who's not very good anymore replacing a 32-year-old safety who played what who plays two good games a year. Um, but Bruton is PFS number 79th safety out of 81 qualifiers, so maybe he can be an upgrade. But I look across this Redskins defense, and it's outside of Josh Norman and Preston Smith, and Ryan Kerrigan, there is not much else going on there. It's a very reminiscent of my uh, my Colts defense, where outside your top top three players, it's just an absolute wasteland. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Dante might wind back to Clark and be a huge upgrade. I so remember, I remember we'll when 
I remember when the Colts signed Mike Adams and people were like, oh, what, you know, this old safety. But sometimes you just end up fitting into the right team and it might pay off. So it's a low risk, high reward signing for the Redskins. So let's move on to the Ravens. They released uh, running back Justin Forsett. Not that it matters, but the Ravens called it a mutual parting of ways. It sounds like a... I mean, you know, when you break up with your girlfriend and you don't want to say that you got dumped and they don't want to say that we, they dumped you. So we, both, we both decided to go in opposite directions. Yes. <laughs> Very amicable split. Yeah. There will be no shots on Facebook. <laughs> we both went in opposite directions and we both agreed after, you know, I was on my knees crying, begging her to take me back. <laughs> yes. That's what it sounds like. It's very, very weird to, to call it that way. Um, maybe there's just a lot of respect, but maybe Forsett joins a division rival and scores a touchdown and just rubs it in their face like, it, you know, when you get a new girlfriend and you rub it in the ex's face. Maybe that's uh, that's what Justin Forsett could do. Um, but then the Ravens might be able to do that with Kenneth Dixon, who's making his uh, debut apparently this week. So we'll wait and see how that goes. But Forsett was not playing good. Their running game is a bit of concern. Terrence West... Showed a little something, something, but I think Kenneth Dixon can be the guy. I think the um, there's it'd be very, it's very easy for Dixon to come in and impress and take that starting job. Yeah, it's easy for him to come in and look good, considering that what's been before him has been pretty, pretty uh, bland, if yeah, you like. Very average, very, very average. So we'll wait and see what happens with Forsett. He'll he'll end up on a team somewhere. Uh, teams need running backs; they're getting injured. Uh, you look at Tampa Bay that. Charles Sims and Doug Martin both out for Monday Night Football. So that's just an example of a team in need of a running back. I don't think they'll sign for set, but, you know, it's very quickly, you know, running backs just drop off. It's, uh, it's you know, they take the most hits in the NFL, so it's only a matter of time. All right, let's look at Thursday Night Football recap. Arizona 31, uh, San Francisco 21. It was a it was a very dull game to begin with. Yeah, it was... Uh... Sorry, 33-21, Arizona. I apologize. I wasn't paying attention, so you're lucky. Yeah, nah. Drew Stanton just, oh, like I know, I know the other side of the ball was bad, but you're expecting more from Arizona. But, oh, oh, gross. The game started with just... twelve punts in the first half, and it was probably the worst quarterbacking you'll ever see from both of them. No, it was just disgusting. Like it, <laughs> <laughs> I was because I'm, I'm. Uh, we're both we're both uh, you know busy men, but I'm trying to watch it at work, and I'm just like, why am I even watching this? There's no, there's not even nothing's happening. It was just, yeah. And then at, it got to the point at the, the end of the second quarter, and 49ers finally scored. And then I just thought, is this going to be one of those games where Arizona manages to lose? And then are people going to start calling for Arian's head? And I'm just I'm running through all these scenarios crazily. <laughs> and then it, you know, it flipped on its head, but it turned it turned around. But uh, how good are we that we uh, chose the right time to jump on? Like, we were ahead of the curve to jump on the Gabbett bandwagon before his six game stretch where he looked like a competent NFL starter, and then we decided, hey, maybe let's jump off at the right time because he's not playing well at all. So we uh, we did well with that. But on the Arizona side of the ball, David Johnson is an absolute baller. He is the most complete running back in the NFL. Uh, you know, next to Le'Veon Bell, the two of them are on a tier of their own. But do you think David Johnson is the best running back in the NFL or it's too early to say it? I think it's too early to say it, but he is definitely in the conversation as one of the, you know, top three or so. But, I mean, I hope people read out Wooten Why 
uh, Moneyball article because we said this is the week to spend up on running back. Yep. And it's not a it's not a risk to go with David Johnson, and the guy just flat out killed it. Yeah. So, 185 you... yards from scrimmage. Exactly, and two touch two touchdowns. Correct. So people, if you, you know, we're, we're telling you, we're telling you who to put in your lineup to win. And you people are just ignoring us. So <laughs> it was only twenty five percent played in in Hail Mary formats for Moneyball. So twenty five percent either listened or they already knew people, to do uh, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, brilliant. They they're, read the article. Yeah, they're they're doing well. Obviously, you know, one hundred eighty five yards from scrimmage. The rest of the team had a hundred, only had one hundred and eleven, and eighty one of that was Larry Fitzgerald. So on on offense, Larry Fitzgerald. And David Johnson accounted for all of the yards except for 20 yards. It, just the two of them are on a whole different level. Larry Legend, he's an ageless wonder. Six catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns. I, I can't see regression in sight for this man. He just keeps playing at an elite level. His ability to separate and just his route running, I, it's unbelievable how good he's playing for his age. Yeah, I don't understand how someone that age manages to separate so easily. It's it's insane. And you've got players around the league that, you know, are speed demons, young speed demons who just who can't separate. Who, yeah. And then you've got this guy who's just, you know, he's nearly got a cane out there and the guy <laughs> is still just in space all the time. I don't understand it, but his, his Cardinals don't want to um, part ways with him and why would they? Yeah, and they're looking to like get a year or two extension out of him, so it's just incredible. You can keep, uh, you can just keep, you know, renegotiating a deal every year with this guy, and just keep keep him, just keep him in your building uh, for as long as you want. He's, you know, he's thirty three. Steve Smith's still playing at at a pretty good level at his age, so we may get hopefully maybe three or four years at least of Larry Fitzgerald. I really hope. We do. Uh, speaking of, you know, old people will flip the coin and, and move on to... Sorry, old people. He's at 33. But Cardinals outside linebacker Marcus Golden now leads the NFL in sacks, at least until Von Miller oh, or, or someone else steps in. But Marcus Golden is a young and up-and-coming player, underrated. He had two sacks and three quarterback hits and 10 tackles against the 49ers. He's playing really well as a tandem with Chandler Jones. But Marcus Golden... Uh, it's exciting. that That's the reason why the Cardinals were happy to part ways with Dwight Freeney at the end of the season, despite his you know terrific run with their team, is Marcus Golden, my guy, I love Marcus Golden, is now an, your sack leader in the NFL. Does that shock you? It does shock me, Yeah, considering how poorly the team as a whole are playing. Defensively, but, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Interesting. I mean, I do think um, the, pair, the partnership with Chandler Jones is helping. It's definitely helping. That I mean, Chandler Jones is a beast, so that maybe teams are putting more emphasis on uh, Chandler Jones, and Golden is just you know reaping the rewards. But yeah, no, that's it's good to see. It's good to see players like uh, Marcus Golden. And we, I, like I spoke about Zach Brown last week. And, yep. Um, Zach Brown. Yeah. Yep. Is that right? That is yeah, correct. Yeah, Zach Brown. That is correct. <laughs> um, sorry, I just know there's a lot of Brown last name yep. players. Yeah. No, players like that you know, making a name for themselves after, you know, kind of just being overlooked for so much of their career. But that's yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it is. And he was considered a reach, you know, when the, when the Cardinals took him in the second round of the draft and they're wreaking the benefits of that now. Uh, now and... it's a golden pick. Oh, yeah. Stay golden, pony boy. Stay Marcus golden, pony boy. Uh, Evan Mathis is was placed on IR with, a, uh, with an ankle injury 
this could be the end of his career. Yeah? Could be. Yeah. Could be. It, it's a it's a little bit sad, but yeah, and, and it's a big blow to to the Cardinals who want to run the ball and and Mathis is one of the best you know run blocking guards in the NFL in the past decade, and now he's he's gone. Although DJ Humphrey's played really really well, uh, probably his best game of his career against the the Forty ers but long term, Evan Mathis is going to be a brutal loss for them down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, I think it was weird at the time, but when Philadelphia and Mathis parted ways due to you know a whole slew of issues, including money and Chip Kelly and things like that at the time, he, I thought it was, I thought, how can you let this guy go? Just pay him what he, you know, pay him what he deserves, really, because he he's been playing terrifically, even though he has been, you know, a bit older. Yep, and then. He hasn't really had that great a season since. He's always had a niggling injury or something like that. So mm. maybe Philadelphia had the foresight that he was going to be a little bit. Yeah, they, I don't know. They got banged off. up or something like that. But yeah, because honestly, I didn't see it happening. Like yeah. I saw, I just saw he had an unlucky injury one season in Philly, and then they parted ways. So I just thought, huh, he's interesting. Ne- but then, yeah, he's never been right with that foot. So you're you're right. Yeah. Like they they had the foresight to say let's move on and, and rebuild that line. And I feel his offensive line's playing really really well at the moment. We'll wait and see. It's what... a shame that it's a shame that he boomed so late in his career because mm. he was a, he definitely was a late blossomer. But whatever it happens a lot with offensive linemen. I guess you just need to get your body right for the NFL and just mature and get used to the different looks and and pass okay. rushing moves. It's it yeah. is. That's a topic for another so day. You have so many guards. You have so many guards that you know just like hit thirty, and then all of a sudden they just become these terrific, mm. terrific players. Like Richie Incognito, I know he's, um, you know, not the greatest guard in the world, but he, you know, he's thirty, thirty-one now, and he's on a three-year contract with the Bills or something like that. Yeah, and you he... just think like he hasn't been around, like as a an elite guard or whatever for that long. No, he he was pretty it's good weird. to begin with, and then all the stuff happened in Miami. But then he when he came back to Buffalo, he, you're right, he, he was on a different tier, a different level to what he was previously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looking on the other side of the ball, obviously the Cardinals are, are back on track for now. It was an easy matchup. We'll wait and see what happens moving forward with Carson Palmer. But hopefully we don't have to watch any more of Drew Stanton in prime time because that will just kill my eyes. I'll just stab, him, stab myself in the eyes with some forks. But... The 49ers, are they the worst team in the NFL right now, you think? Yep. Yeah? Yep, 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 yep. Yep. I, don't, I, I yep. think even though Cleveland are not very good, at least it's like they just lack a leader on the field, kind of. It's, well, Navarro Bowman's out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yep. No, 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 no. The, I'm talking about the Browns. Oh, yeah, sorry. So the, if, they were, if they were this if you had to compare those two as the two worst teams, it's like if Cleveland just had, you know, I know it's just, they've been searching for a quarterback forever, but even if they just had, you know, anyone, anyone, even a just like a Josh McCown out there again, yep. it's, they just need a figure like that just to be a leader out there. And they've got no one. So even like, even, but even without that, they're still like an exciting team that, you know, has some future and possibility. Just, 49ers just future. They they really do. They just they're such a mess. And if everyone's screaming for Kaepernick is, you know, your best hope, it's just like oh god, here we go. Exactly. Is... 
the um yeah. the pre-match. It's funny though. It's funny though that they were in a point last season where they were just like we were saying, if you're in a position that you hope that you're chanting for Gabbard to start, you know how bad your team is, and now they're doing the opposite thing. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Oh boy, it's uh it's not ideal for for the 49ers. And you're right. I I feel like the Browns are at least showing something, and you can watch to see where they're going with with the direction that they're in. Uh, you know, it's not a cruise liner, but at least the boat's heading in the right direction, whereas the 49ers seem like a ship where you've got people jumping off right now and, and you don't know what's going on. The deck's on fire and people are running around a bit mad because they're not sure what what's going on. And Colin Kaepernick is possibly the answer. And the reason... It was funny, pre-match, Deion Sanders, I think, seems to have no clue what's going on in the NFL whatsoever, despite him being on a panel for primetime television uh, every week. He he th- he thinks that uh, Chip Kelly's not playing Colin Kaepernick because of his anthem stance, despite Chip Kelly defending Colin Kaepernick numerous times at the coach's podium, uh, one very publicly slamming a journalist, and the 49ers have supported Colin Kaepernick. They've donated money to charities for Kaepernick, all sorts of stuff. So that's not an issue. The issue is his conditioning, and he's not ready, and because that there's the injury guarantees on Kaepernick's current deal. So if they put him out there and he gets injured, it really hurts the cap. So Ian Rappaport reported yesterday that the 49ers and Kaepernick are closing in on a restructured contract that would alleviate the concerns regarding the injury guarantees in his current deal. The new deal would eliminate the risk of the 49ers having to pay out guarantees on Kaepernick if he gets hurt this season and would allow Kaepernick a chance to, you know, play and test the free agent market and show that he's still an okay quarterback in the NFL and, and can land somewhere in the future. So it's a it's a mutually beneficial deal for these for these teams. So if they get this done, it, it looks likely that the 49ers will possibly play Kaepernick moving forward. Who knows if he'll be the starter against Buffalo, but do you think this is the right decision for both? I do think they should be starting Kaepernick now. I think it's getting to the point where this is the kind of player that Chip Kelly hasn't had in the NFL yet, and they need he could you know he could they could work perfectly together. They could be you know in perfect sync. They could you know it could be the future of the 49ers, as stupid as it sounds. Even though I don't believe it will be, yeah. I just think that is you know it's something they have to do correctly. They can't do what they did with they. I mean they can't do what like the kind of the Browns did with Manziel how they yep. kept every season they were waiting until, you know, there was an injury or something to using that kind of thing. They've just got to go out there now while games still remotely matter, if you like. I mean, I know they're yep. zero and four, but at least it's early in the season. One and, and three, man. Remember, they uh, had the 28-year yeah, whitewash of the uh, three and one Rams now. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but see, like, games still remotely matter for them. So yep. it, they've just got to go out there and see what they've got. But the whole the whole Deion Sanders thing is just, it's just sorry, it's dumb. It's, it's, it's just so dumb. dumb. It was so stupid. It was, I was just, like, banging my head against the table. Um, if you walk past me at work, you would have seen me just headbutting my desk. Unless it's, a, unless it's like, a ploy to, like, get him to play, maybe. They're know, just, like, you sh- <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> because... Deion's not I that mean, smart. Ch- Oh, he's not. But, I mean, Chip Kelly had these issues when he was at Philly about, you know, African-American players coming yeah, in and I, saying that, you know. I think that's I think that's well beyond him now, given what given what he did at the podium uh, unnecessarily. He didn't have to slam that journalist and go on, like, a, a rant on Kaepernick's behalf, but he did that. And, uh, like, that's the, that's the best, most inspiring thing I've seen Chip Kelly do behind a podium because normally he's 
very, you know, coach talk and very irritating. And I, I found that very, like, he just took a journalist to town over this Kaepernick stuff. Who The journalist claimed that it was affecting the locker room and, and Chip Kelly said, it's my locker room. I don't see any issues whatsoever. If he wants to talk about these issues, go ahead. If you guys want to ask him about them, go ahead. Like, it's not it's not a huge deal for for him. So I, I found that pretty cool. I just think Deion Sanders is just got no idea what's going on. He also then tipped Ka- Colin Kaepernick to enter the game and, and light it up, but then still tipped Arizona to win 24-10. So I'm not sure what his reasoning <laughs> was. Like, he's going to light what? it up and score 10 points and lose by 14. I, I, I don't understand. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. This week's NFL lines are brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. Our golden stretch on Thursday Night Football continues. We both tipped Arizona minus three, and that got up. So we're uh, 1-0 on the week. And last week, we did okay. Uh, it was a tough week, but we both finished 8-7 uh, and seven on the week. And now our record is at, both our records are at 26-34-3. Not ideal, but, uh, you know, a slow start to the season. A lot of teams are, are really, str- a lot of people are really struggling with picks. It's it's quite funny. You go on covers.com and and look at the trends, and it's like the road underdog is like 50, is the best win percentage in the NFL right now. Is teams that are underdogs on the road, and that's like historically never been really the case. So it's it's been a tough tough season, you know, start to the season in terms of picks against the spread. Um, and our locks of the week are an abysmal two and eight. So uh, we might have to <laughs> we might have to uh, try and you know fight back now and, and see where we can go. Yeah, the locks the locks are a bit scary. It's, um, it's not good. We used to be really good with these. Last now, year, this, last this, year we only lost like three been, all year. This whole season's been flipped on its head. Mm, Rookie it's... quarterbacks playing well everywhere. Oh, the teams that you think are going going to go terrifically, like Arizona and, and the Carolina. Panthers, are just not yeah. performing. Franchise, it's... some franchise, elite franchise quarterbacks not quite carrying their teams like we were used to seeing. You know, uh, like Sam Bradford and Trevor Simeon are undefeated. Just yeah. And then you have, you have, um, then you also have teams that you know should just be blowing out other teams, and they're still winning. They're just not covering the line because they're just taking their foot off the pedestal. Yeah, exactly. You get a few backdoor covers in that regard, and then you have teams like you know the Rams and Vikings who are last in you know yards per play, currently eight and one in in the NFL. It's uh. It's uh, it's it is fun. It is a fun start, and I think this week looks a little bit better in terms of betting. So we'll see how we go. Uh, New England on the road. Tom Brady is officially active. Rob Ninkovich is officially active as of this morning. They're ten and a half point favorites on the road, traveling to Cleveland. The poor Browns get Tom Brady in his debut back in the NFL. Ten and a half points. Look, Cleveland. I'll give them credit. If Josh McCown played last week, they would have beat the Redskins absolutely. And that fumble, um, that non-fumble. Um, by Duke Johnson really hurt them covering the spread. I think they could have marched down and scored and, you know, covered that and lost by, you know, three or four points. So they have been quite competitive. They're, they're a three-quarter team, the Browns, where they can play really competitive for three quarters. Uh, you just got to pick which quarters. So they can either get off to a slow start and come back in games or or get off to a hot start and these teams just eventually catch up to them and they, they fall asleep at the wheel in the, in the fourth quarter. So they're a team that can be competitive for a little bit in the game, but they're just not a complete team and they they lack that direction that you mentioned earlier about having a leader on the team. They're a very young team, uh, so it's tough. You know, Terrell Pryor is probably your leader at the moment and he's a quarterback turn wide receiver type, you know, transition, so it's a very unique leader to have. So the line's 10.5. I don't know where to go with this. Like, I can see... New England just coming out and Tom Brady just throwing five touchdowns and just rolling and, and stomping them. But I can also see a little bit of rust. They've got to rechange their offense to suit Tom Brady's style. 
and I can see them maybe getting off to a slow start. Who knows what's going on with, with Gronk because of his hamstrings injury, injury, but, you know, Martellus Bennett's playing really well as well. Yeah, I don't think they'll, they'll struggle too much. I, I look at it and just think the two touchdowns is pancake for uh, New England. I just mm. I can't see them not getting to a two-touchdown lead and just holding it against the Browns. I'm going to go in the opposite direction. I'm going to take Cleveland plus 10.5, and, and I never thought I'd actually do this, but I just maybe can see them getting off to a bit of a slow start, New England, or... If, if this comes next week and New England has beaten them by 30, you're just going to think... I'm going to just... Yes, that's right. I tip Tom Brady and the Patriots to not win by more than a touchdown and a field goal against the Browns who haven't won a game. Yeah, so I don't know. The Browns are fifth in rushing offense per DVOA. They, they've run the ball well, and New England couldn't stop LaShawn McCoy last week. And I know they only gave up 16 points, but that's part of the the Bills just being incompetent in the red zone and not finishing drives. But I, I don't know. But it's also, think about how long the defense was on the field due to Brissett's just like inability to get anything going. True. Yeah, I... Uh... I don't know. I just I have a little bit of faith in the Browns. I uh, maybe it's just like a, you know, I feel like they can cover. I feel like, and they, the last couple of weeks they haven't covered, and I think they should have. So maybe this is the game where they probably shouldn't cover, and they do. I don't know. The, it's just like a weird gut feeling with this game. But I, I can see New England winning and being in cruise control from you know the very very first minute. So I don't think you have any concerns about them losing. Uh, be just interesting to see how Tom Brady is uh, back in the NFL. Imagine if he did come back and was just wasn't not wasn't very good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll like, see. was good, so I think even a broken Tom Brady would do. Yeah, good. exactly. Uh, all right, Philadelphia uh, off fresh off the bye. They're, they're relaxed now because they're really tired after three weeks of the NFL. Woot. Uh, they're on the yeah. road at Detroit. The line is three. Plus three for Detroit's at two dollars, minus three at a dollar eighty three. Philadelphia are rolling. They're, they're on a high. They they hammered the Pittsburgh Steelers, and now they face a, de- a very flawed Detroit lineup. If I wasn't a Philadelphia fan, I think I might be taking Detroit. But so it feels you, like one it, of those games, right? It does feel like one of those games, but I don't know. They are getting uh, McKelvin and Zach Ertz back, so that's a big plus. But then. They're going to Detroit, and Detroit's not a very lovable destination for opposition quarterbacks, despite Detroit's uh, defensive struggles. This could be one of those games that's a real, you know, wake-up for a rookie quarterback. So that scares me a little bit, but, you know, I thought I was nervous as hell for Pittsburgh, but that didn't really... You weren't expect- do much to sway Wentz's confidence either. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know where I'm at. It's a different mindset too when you're going into Pittsburgh. You're not really expected to win. In this game, you are expected to win. You, you, your favorites. You should. You're a much better team on both sides of the ball. Or not both sides of the ball. The, the, the Lions' offense is quite potent. They obviously had a bad couple of weeks. Now the first sort of rocky road in the Jim Bob Cooter era for the Stafford offense, but. You know, it the Eagles' defense hasn't allowed a passing touchdown all year, and that's what the that's what the Lions do best. So something's got to give here. And if that line was maybe three and a half, I'd be really tempted to take Detroit. Maybe like I can just see it being a field goal type game. I can see Detroit putting up some points if they if that line can hold up for a little bit. But I just think uh, you know, fresh off a bye now, and until I've proven otherwise from Philly. Um, I'm not going to tip against them. Not when the line is only three points. If you if you're talking over a touchdown or something like that, then obviously 
Um, anything more than that, I would take uh, Detroit. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Detroit just, you know, win this game. They're a type of team that you hate backing them as favourites, but as underdogs, they seem to seem to show up, especially at home. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Now on to my uh, basket case of a team. We spoke about clowns. How about the front office of the Colts being an absolute circus? We've got Chicago plus four and a half on the road. Uh, Indianapolis minus four and a half at a dollar ninety one each. The Colts elected not to have a buy after traveling to London, now have a home game. Chicago have an immense amount of people out at the moment. Their their injury list is just absolutely massive, mate. It is just... Look at these names. I'll just read them off. Willie Young, Denny Trevathan, Josh Sitton, Tracy Porter, Sherrick McManus, who, who apparently is a real person, Nick Kwiatkowski, DeAndre Hall, Eddie Goldman, Leonard Floyd, Jonathan Bulliard, Zach Miller, Kadeem Carey, Alshon Jeffrey. They're all questionable or doubtful and then you've got uh jay cutler definitely out eddie uh kevin white on injured reserve and eddie royal as well is questionable but that's that's a huge huge list of injuries if the colts cannot beat this bears team with all those players out at home uh, ryan grigson and chuck pagano both deserve to be fired (laughs) that's not an overreaction seriously if they lose to this bears team uh then they're in they're in big trouble here I don't think they'd both be fired. They should. Telling you right now, I'm going on a rant. They should be fired. And Ryan Grigson has just blamed Andrew Luck's contract for the the reason that the roster is not built that way. Where was that? You know, I'd love to hear what his excuse was four months ago before the Andrew Luck deals. You knew the deal was coming. Plenty of teams can build a roster around a big cap hit. Look at the Ravens. Joe Flacco's cap hit's huge. But they still have players. They still managed to sign Eric Waddell in free agency. Resign Justin Tucker. They just draft better. How about you draft better, Ryan Grigson? You're a Muppet. You stink. Get out of my. Get out of the Colts. I'm over it. Ran <laughs> no, over. Uh, yeah. They, if if they can't win this game, then yeah, there's going to be some kind of change. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they're right. Maybe it's luck. <laughs> oh my god. I do like the. I'm joking. Uh... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. But I um no, just the like you said, the amount of injuries. I still think Jeffrey and the likes will play. I mean, you mentioned backup Jay quarterback. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, I don't know. Even even that whole storyline's just whatever. The game the game has so many storylines. If yeah. Chicago wins, it'll all be it'll all be about Hoyer or Hoyer everything. Yeah. The man. The man. Uh, yeah. The, the one. If, the one positive. Go. Yeah. Sorry. Go. No. Continue. I was going to say the one positive. The one injury positive for the Bears is that. Jeremy Langford is still out. Jordan Howard forced seven missed tackles in week four. Jeremy Langford forced 10 missed tackles in the entire season last year. So Jordan Howard's a much better player. So that helps them moving forward anyway. Yep. I agree. He's the better running back. Absolutely. So who who are you taking? Indianapolis. I'm also taking the Colts minus four and a half. Although the four and a half is a little bit much for me. But um, I just, if they lose this game, it's a win-win for me. I think if they lose... There's going to be a, a regime change in India. I can feel it. Um, Chuck Pagano was probably close to being fired in London, but maybe electing not to have the bye week saved uh, Chuck Pagano's bacon. Maybe he saw that coming. Who, maybe who he's do you not go so get? Dull. I don't know. Who do you go get? Tom Coughlin for a year, please. I'll just take it. Just for the caretaker coach, and then we'll move on. I Sending out an SOS to uh, Jim Harbour. Please. Please come in and save our, save our city. Not happening. <laughs> All right, moving on. Tennessee plus three and a half at a dollar ninety-one. Miami minus three and a half at a dollar ninety-one. This game will go ahead despite uh, Hurricane Matthew in Miami and our, our uh, thoughts with uh, the people of Florida and uh, 
in Haiti because I've seen some of this footage. This, this hurricane just, I watched a video before, it just uprooted a tree in the split second and just flung it across a guy's backyard. And it was like a massive, massive tree. So it seems like a, a huge force. And there's a lot of, a lot of uh, death and destruction in Haiti as well. So this game is going ahead in Miami at its usual time. Tennessee, plus three and a half. They've been competitive in games. Um, they're just not putting up a lot of points, but they're keeping keeping the uh, the the defense has been stingy. So they've been keeping themselves in games, but I'm not giving up a huge amount of points. They were in that game against Houston last week. Anytime that they're getting more than three and a half against a, a bad football team like Miami, I think I'm taking Tennessee plus three and a half here. I I can see Tennessee if they can just start to utilize Demarco Murray more. He's playing well, and they didn't turn to him in their last in their final drives last week. They could have. Snuck, you know, they could have come away with a sneak, sneaky win last week, but they just, they just badly coached. They are, and but like you said, three and a half. I don't even know how Miami's kind of the favorite. <laughs> they haven't done enough to show me that they should be the favorite in any game at the moment. And Tennessee, they, despite losing, they, they have looked like that. They have looked like a team that's just been unlucky and unfortunate, similar to what the Giants were last year early on. Yep. When you, you saw just like, this team has so much potential and they could be, you know, they could be three and one and yet they're, mm. they're on the other end of the scale. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Tennessee as well. You can easily see Tennessee just connecting a few times where they have it in the first few weeks and just getting out to an early lead and holding on. Yeah. But then saying that if they get out to an early lead, that's where Tannehill shines when mm. it's pointless. Yeah. So we might, we might see a comeback. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I can't see Miami running away with it early though. No, I think it's going to be a close game regardless. I think there'll be a field goal or a, you know, a four point margin in it somewhere down a field goal and you'll see a touchdown. It's, it is funny. You look at some of the stats here and something's got to give up here because the Titans have gone six nineteen and three against the spread in their last 28 games against losing teams and the Dolphins are two and 12 against the spread in the same category home and away doesn't really help much either because Tennessee have covered just five of 21 road games and the Dolphins have gone two and 12 against the spread in their last 14 home games so something's something's got to give up both teams have been horrible on the road and Miami's been horrible against the spread at home but you know Tennessee they've lost very close games and the teams they've lost to they've got a combined record of nine and two so it's not bad. You're playing. This is probably their easiest matchup for a while. I'm taking Tennessee plus three and a half as well. All right, moving on. We've got Washington plus four at a dollar ninety one on the road. Baltimore minus four at a dollar ninety one. Baltimore were unlucky in defeat last week. They've had some really easy games, and, and I've been a bit harsh about their them as a team so far. But they were unlucky. I think that I thought they were a better team on the field last week. And Oakland have been a little bit lucky in some of their victories. But we'll get to them later on. And, and Washington, they've been handed their victories. You know, the Giants threw away that game against them, and the Browns fumbled their game against Washington. So they've never really done anything to really excite me at all on both sides of the ball. Yet Washington still haven't really won a game for me. They've just been handed their victory. So uh, until I see something from Washington, I'm not taking them. Whereas Baltimore, I think they're I think they're a better team. They're a more complete roster. Minus four, I'm taking Baltimore. I'm excited to see Kenneth Dixon hopefully take some snaps in this game and, and hopefully give them, uh, you know, re- the resemblance of a running game. Yeah, me too. I'm under the impression, that, like I was under the impression early that Baltimore was just getting really lucky against early schedule. Yep. But... I mean, even though Washington's not exactly the most, um, you know, difficult team either, I still think they'll. Um, this is a bit more of a test, but they should still come away with the win. I, I don't know. I don't know how Steve Smith just keeps moving. 
at his age, <laughs> and yet he's he's still playing better talking. than half the wide receivers. Yeah, playing better than half of the wide receivers in the league. So yep. until until I see signs of Baltimore just like regressing hugely, I don't see them losing either. Yep. So they've they've had an easy schedule, but they've been competitive in every single game, and they should be obviously given their opponents. But this is you know last week it was a really you know up and down match, and they were competitive, and they showed a lot on offense and defense. Uh, I think that they're a lot better than I initially thought. I didn't see them being this good, even though they've had an easy schedule. And it'll get more difficult, and we'll we'll see the real Baltimore stand up. But this isn't too tough and a tougher of an ask for them. Um, I think we're uh, both on Baltimore minus four here. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Yep. Moving on, we've got Houston plus seven on the road at $1.87, taking on Minnesota minus seven at $1.95. Minnesota have been one of the stories of the year so far, and their defense has been just lights out. But there's some issues here for them with Andre Smith out, Sharif Floyd still out, and Stefan Diggs really doubtful to play um, with a groin injury. So this... Offense is going to look drastically different. Now you've got no Adrian Peterson, no Stefan Diggs. So you've got Sam Bradford throwing to Adam Thielen and Jarius Wright. And, you know, the markings of a weird season is seeing Cordero Patterson run routes in the end zone and actually get targets in the red zone. Um, that's that's something that's been an absolute surprise. On the defensive side of the ball, though, Minnesota, uh, I can see them being way, way, way too strong for Houston's front's you know, offensive line. Yeah, me too. We, sh- we saw how badly Houston struggled against a good defense, and I think the struggles will continue against the Minnesota defense, who are, you know, just shutting out everyone. If you can manage to shut down Aaron Rodgers, I don't think they'll get, they're going to have any trouble shutting down Brock Osweiler, who looked really shaky last week. And they also are still without J.J. Watt. They'll be out for the rest of the year, but I'm saying they're wasn't really any signs that they're going to be able to cope with the loss well. Yep. So, yeah, I think Minnesota might have a field day. Minus seven, decent price. I mean, a decent line. Yeah, it's uh, it is it is really juicy at that at that price. Even with Stefan Diggs out, um, Sam Bradford's been balling, and Jerick McKinnon. They'll just rely on him more in the passing game and and try and make things work. If you want any you know skepticism, you look at Houston's three and one record. But if you if you trust Football Outsiders DVOA rankings, they're twenty ninth. They're ranked the 29th team in the NFL through four weeks by Football Outsiders. They're actually the worst team in the AFC South, despite leading the AFC South 3-1. They've actually got the Houston Texans offense as the 32nd ranked, so the worst offense in the league at the moment. Lamar Miller hasn't really looked like an explosive running back yet. It's uh, He seems to look like just another guy, which is frustrating because I finally came around on him, Josh, and I don't, I'm not sure if it's offensive line issues or what. Um, but 32 ranked defense going up against uh, Minnesota's defense, which is a you know top one, two, or three unit in the NFL. Um, I think at that point I'm taking Minnesota minus seven. I can see them uh, winning this game, but I am worried about their offense without Stefan Diggs. But I just think uh, I, I trust Sam Bradford a lot more than Brock Osweiler. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I mean I know you're low on Osweiler, but. It's funny how much everyone's come around on Sam Bradford as well. Hmm. It's good, and it's 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 good to see him playing games and not getting injured or have any concerns at the moment. So it's um 
um, uh, you know, good positive vibes for Sam Bradford. Eh? Uh, he's been unlucky a lot in his career, so it's good for him to be in a place that suits his skill set well and he's thriving and enjoying playing football. It's really it's really good to see. Uh, New York Jets plus seven on the road, $1.95. Pittsburgh minus seven at $1.87. Pittsburgh just flat out destroyed the Kansas City Chiefs with ease last week at home. Bounced back in a big spot uh, after an embarrassing loss to Philly where Ben Roethlisberger probably had one of his worst games in a long, long time. But uh, this is this is the breaking point point for me is the Jets have proved terrible at defending the pass. They rank 32nd in DVOA and they're just they're just terrible at defending the pass and the Steelers are the best team in the NFL at chunk plays and big passes down the field. So if you've got a team that's leaking big plays against a team that loves throwing down the down the field, I'm taking the Steelers every single time. I love Ben Roethlisberger's mindset. He uh he just looks for a touchdown first, then a first down, and then decides to check down last. Whereas many other teams, they just do the check down as their first read. And I think Pittsburgh at home, a totally, totally different team. Ben Roethlisberger's splits from at home to away is is massive. So um, I'm taking Pittsburgh minus seven. Uh, I'm considering them for my lock of the week. Yeah, but uh, I've just put them in bold. Just to emphasize that, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think I think Revis is going to get torched this game. <laughs> yeah. This is where I could. I think Brown might pick on the old man. Yeah, and and it, you... and and Ben Roethlisberger too. Like, remember, like going into that game last week, it was all about oh Marcus Peters versus Antonio Brown. First play of the game, he just goes straight at Marcus Peters. Deep pass, semi codes. He doesn't care. Like Ben Roethlisberger will attack you. He doesn't care who it is. He's a savage. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, and plus that's also like kind of a tactic. So like, you know, you had a big week last week, but that was a one-off. Yep. We're a totally different beast. Mm. Now try to stop us and like he couldn't. Yeah, exactly. I really like this play this week. Pittsburgh won a seven. I think they're going to be in a lot of, uh, a lot of parlays for me in this, in this week. I just think, uh, you know, we've failed on Pittsburgh before. I remember picking them as a lock against your Eagles, but uh, I think this is a totally different team. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, nine interceptions in two weeks. Uh, he's he's been horrible. How bad must you feel if you're Geno Smith after seeing that and he still can't get on the field? <laughs> yeah, no, Unbel- Geno, <coughs> Geno, unhappy Geno, unhappy Geno for sure. Unbelievable. Uh, moving on, we've got Atlanta plus four and a half at a dollar ninety-one on the road, traveling to Mile High Stadium after a, a fantastic performance against. Uh, the Carolina Panthers and division rivals, they're 3-1. and one. They're Falcons traveling to the undefeated Denver Broncos, minus 4.5 at $1.91. We waited until Sunday to uh, podcast because of the uncertainty around the uh, Hurricane Matthew and, and things to do with Cam Newton and whatnot. And the wait proved pivotal because as we're recording this, we've, we've got an alert that Paxton Lynch is named the starting quarterback for this game. And I was going to say before that even news happened is I feel like Paxton Lynch is a lot harder to game plan against because he is that dual threat with with the running. I know Simeon has has run the ball a little bit, but Paxton Lynch has proven to be a uh, a pretty good runner of the football and can and scramble quite well. And he's quite smart with it from what we've seen in the preseason and the limited snaps we saw against Tampa Bay uh, last week. But uh, I like Paxton Lynch. I like Denver here minus four and a half. I uh, Atlanta are playing really well, but I can I just can't see this 
Atlanta team putting up the points it did against Denver, who have been just near unstoppable. And on the other side of the ball, the Falcons' defense is a concern. They've they've leaked a lot of points this season, and their best player, rookie Dion Jones, who's their leading tackler, sorry, not their best player on defense, that's Trufant, but he's uh, he's been ruled out as well. So that's going to help C.J. Anderson. Yeah, um, this will be the, a huge test for Atlanta. If Atlanta can come out on the, the uh, better side of this game, then they're for real. At, yeah. Like at the moment where they've been, you know, beating up on some bad defenses, and we've just been thinking that, you know, yeah. like I know they're playing well, but who knows when they come up against a good defense, then we'll see. This is like the the true test if Matt Ryan and these Falcons are legitimate. But I think whatever way this goes, it's gonna go. It's gonna be more than four and a half. Mm. I don't think it's gonna be. I, I don't think it's gonna be close. Whatever way it goes, it's just gonna. Not blowout, but if Atlanta wins, I can see them winning by 7 or 10. Yep. And same with Denver. I can see Denver winning by 20 if they if the defense gets nasty and picks off Ryan a few times. But you know, I, I like Denver as well. I think they might uh, they might suffocate this offense a little bit more. I, I can't look past the Denver defense at the moment. It's just until until they collapse against someone, mm. they're not they're not human. Yeah, and they're gonna keep they're gonna keep winning. And I don't see Paxton Lynch being that different to Trevor Simeon. I no. just think they're going to ha- they look very, very similar on offense. That's just yep. how it's going to go. And they both, they're both good fits in that Kubiak offense. I mentioned that last week, whereas Manning wasn't a fit in that Kubiak offense. Both of, the, both of these guys really like, you know, running that bootleg action and, and, you know, fit Kubiak's scheme really, really well. And you talk about this Denver defense, a lot of people are talking about, you know, Vikings defense v v denver's defense the, the the track records with denver they've been doing it for so long they've lost all these players and they're still producing at an and an at an elite level and wade phillips is just coaching them up to a t and wade phillips is you know two and oh against matt ryan and ryan's thrown multiple interceptions every time he's faced wade phillips and this denver defense is getting you know about 10 quarterback hits a game so the pressure's just going to be too much and you know matt ryan you, you said during the week quite confusingly is that he's playing really really well but you seem like He's not playing that well compared to previous years. I think that just the surrounding talent around him is good, and it's no it's no surprise that Matt Ryan is your MVP candidate at this point because he's got so much better protection and he's not under pressure anymore. He's been able to have time to throw the ball, which he never had in previous years. So if you can get him under pressure, like most quarterbacks, he'll turn to water. So I'm taking Denver minus four and a half. I uh, I'm not picking against Denver until proven otherwise at this point uh and i'm excited to watch pax and lynch i think uh it's going to be a, a fun game i'd still like to see i i mean it'd be great though to still see matt ryan just come out and, and take it by to 20 him. yeah that would be <laughs> that would be amazing all of it, it, it it'll tell us a lot about atlanta if they do play tough and, and keep things and still put up points and maybe it's just like a shootout and denver's offense has to actually win them a game for once then even in a loss, you, you're going to still be impressed with Atlanta moving forward because they've got a tough road trip again next week against Seattle. So, um, you know, Atlanta started really, really hot last year and it all fizzled out, but I feel like a little bit different about this team now because of the presence of Alex Mack and, and some of the pieces that they've drafted on defense. Keanu Neal looks pretty good. He's he's racking up a lot of tackles as well. Uh, moving on, Cincinnati minus one on the road, $1.87, taking on Dallas, plus one at $1.95. Uh, this, this game's a very interesting one. You know, we talked about Cincinnati during the week. Their only two losses have been against you know Pittsburgh and Denver, and the Cowboys have they've been fine, but they haven't been ultra-impressive. They've had some easy matchups, and they've managed to just get by. They haven't been you know as impressive, but I think you know, you're know projecting Dallas long-term. They'll get Romo back, and they get some players back on defense. They'll be a lot better, but this is a tough matchup for them. Yeah, it is. It's... it's... 
it's a real kind of flip of the coin game for me, as the line suggests. Mm-hmm. It is the closest game this week. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me feels like Dallas can, you know, grind out a win again. But then at the same time, you're like, this is this is a Cincinnati team that has been unlucky. And like you said, the first two tough teams for their two losses. Uh, it's a tough one. And they do get Demarcus Lawrence back, the uh, the Cowboys. So he's he's huge for their front front seven he's just a he's a different talent and he's a he's a guy that can get pressure on the quarterback and Cincinnati's offensive line hasn't looked as good you know I thought they were a top five unit heading into the season but they haven't been able to set the run very well and and get much pressure but Dallas of defense they they can be exploited a lot I love to see what AJ Green will will do against Morris Mo Claiborne who's had a bit of a revival this season but uh, I'm looking at it here the Bengals are nine and one against the spread in their last 10 road games and the Cowboys, despite covering against the Bears, are generally a bad bet at home. 16-31, against the spread. So I'm taking Cincinnati minus one. I think uh, I think they'll win this game. Um, if you just want to take them straight, you can do that. But you know, minus one isn't much at all. I uh, I think uh, they should be fine to cover that. I don't want to pick Dallas, so I'm going to pick Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great analysis from you. Just, no, not uh... even. It's not analysis. I'm just saying I don't want Dallas to win, so I'm going with Cincinnati. <laughs> some uh, some NFC East fire from uh, from Woot, even though he did cop a little bit yesterday from uh, our friend RJ Ochoa, who, in wishing you a happy birthday, doomed your Eagles. Wished that your Eagles would fail. So uh, a little bit of smack talk, a little bit of bants on Twitter, which we love. Buffalo plus two on the road, dollar ninety one. Against Los Angeles, minus two at a dollar ninety-one. This is the something's got to give game for me. Um, I hate picking both these teams, and I hate picking against both these teams because they seem to let me down every time I tip them or tip against them. It's it's a it's annoying game. Like Buffalo have beaten Arizona and New England back-to-back games. Rex Ryan seems to you know kept his job safe for a little while. While Los Angeles have been the benefits of some you know division division inter division wins and and. Going well with Case Keenan, which is just a bizarre shock of events. It's it's a strange game here. I I don't know what to do because the thought of Los Angeles being four and one is just bizarre. But then the thought of Buffalo having a three game win streak and then one of them being on the road that's also bizarre. Yeah. Can both um, these teams lose? <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> I know where the loser this week for this game. Um, yeah, both offenses suck. Both defenses step up. Yeah. Um, Marcel Darius back, um, despite you know, supposedly being in and out of rehab with with issues that he talked about at the start of the season. So, but he is playing. He's going to be active. So that's a huge. You know, he's you know top three player on their roster getting back so that's that's big for buffalo yeah and then looking at both they're both built very similar they both have a ground game that they they want to lean on they both you know don't have that competent of a quarterback or coach. Their wide receivers yeah their coaches lack their wide receivers lack and their defense carries them yep they're very two similar teams are they mm, um exactly your boy uh zach brown's playing really well in you know and nigel bradham's place you know Nigel Braddon was there last year now playing well for you in Philly so it's a little bit weird you know I know you're a big Zach Brown believer you picked him as a defensive player of the year but you know really Aaron Donald's on it but Nigel Braddon yeah big trouble uh, this week they thought they were gonna lack his firepower but his firepower yeah you know it's at the airport left his 
you leave us an old sandwich and an old banana in your backpack, and we're all guilty of that through high school. Remember sitting in class and looking through your bag, and you pull it out like a sandwich that you didn't eat two weeks ago. Or oh, there's a lock. There's a uh, sandwich in a like a snap lock bag in the back of your locker, yeah. just rotting away. Oh, it's, yeah. it's that's like that is what you expect in a backpack, not a handgun. Well, sorry, guys. Uh, Forgot well, about my gun. That you don't go to the airport and then go, oh, sorry, I left that old gat. <laughs> sorry, I left <laughs> my 9mm or my forty five Colt. I don't know if they're guns. I've got no idea. I'm just naming them from cop shows. Um, <laughs> that's just unbelievable. Um, we should have put that as a weird web story and we missed it. We missed the opportunity. I apologize, guys. It's a Sunday morning. But in this game, I'm taking the the team that has the uh, the best player, and that's Aaron Donald. He's the best player in the NFL at the moment for me, and I'm taking LA minus two. I, I see a little bit of regression from Buffalo on a two-game, you know, coming off a big win against New England. Rex Ryan will be a little bit more relaxed this week, and they're traveling across the country. I think the Rams will be 4-1. What a, what a time to be alive. The 4-1 Rams. Unbelievable. Who are you taking? I don't... I, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> it is really tough because I don't have faith in either coach. I don't have faith in either <laughs> offense. Uh, Need me to filibuster for a little bit? Nah, screw it. Let's just go Buffalo. I've got to go different a little bit more. I've got to go Buffalo. Wow, a little bit of I don't think they'll win there. I don't like it. Hanging some onion. Here we go. All right, so they're getting plus two. So if they win, you know, if LA win by one, you're all good. Uh, San Diego plus three and a half at $1.91. Oakland minus three and a half at $1.91. A little bit of AFC West division games here. The last time they played, it went to overtime. It was, I think it was on Christmas Day. Uh, back here in Australia, so that was always a fun game. I'm taking San Diego plus three and a half. I don't believe in Oakland yet. Like they're looking good at times, but they've just been lucky in the games. A lot of them have been close games. I'm just I'm not convinced yet. And San Diego seemed to be in close games as well, leading in the fourth quarter. I just uh, you know I just think the Raiders are a little bit of a fraud right now. I think they're a bit overrated. There they are a flawed team, and they give up a lot of points. And Philip Rivers can do that in the division game. Getting more than a field goal. I'm taking San Diego plus three and a half here. No, give me Oakland. By the way, Joey Bosa's back. So 12 sacks, San Diego win. It, you know, just destroys all uh-huh, the entire uh-huh. off-season of narity uh-huh. And Bosa just uh, just rips it up. He's he's more of a Joey Boys. boss uh, on the field, if you know what I mean. Oh, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, give me Oakland, I think, with the injury to Verrett. I just think they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle covering both wide receivers. So one of one of them might have a big day, and the other one might not so much. But the yeah, I don't know. Three touchdown performance from Crabtree. He's very playing, impressive. He's playing unbelievably well at the moment. It's, and then uh, when you think when you think that you know he's playing so well, and we've got Amari Cooper on the other side just waiting. I don't yeah. know. It'd scare me if I was a San Diego fan. Yeah, it's um, it it is quite crazy. Like I. Oakland's, despite their defense being quite shocking, they're 29th in DVOA. They're the seventh-ranked team in DVOA, and San Diego, despite losing all these games because they've been competitive, they're the 13th-ranked team in DVOA. So they're very close together, and the records tell a completely different story about coaching. You know, um, I was about to call him Riverboat Ron because that's how gambling Jack Del Rio has been. But Black Jack Del Rio is, you know, you know, keen to win games in the fourth quarter, and Mike McCoy. Isn't and that's the that's the difference. But uh, I like the Chargers. They're nineteen and seven against the spread in Oakland uh, all time. So taking San Diego. Uh, all right, moving on. The Giants plus seven dollar eighty seven in Lambeau. 
Green Bay really refreshed because they were really tired after three weeks, having the bye in week four. Minus seven, dollar ninety five. So they're at home. They've had the bye week. They've had a lot of time to prepare. New York Giants on a short week. I think Green Bay minus seven looks the goods here. Uh, and you know the Giants after their you know great start to the season will suddenly be looking at a losing record. I don't know if it's just because I feel that the NFC East gets a bad rap, but I don't know. I think the New York Giants can keep this closer than everyone thinks. And if Green Bay get out to an early lead, we know what they like to do with an early lead. They like yep. to just blow it. Sit on it. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. I know seven isn't that much at Lambeau, though. Oh, God. Again, these it's, games, Sam, they kill me. Sam Shields is out, and Od- Odell Beckham's having a, a big week here where he's in the papers a lot. Everyone's discussing discussing him and whether he's a distraction or whether he's not a distraction and actually talking about whether he's a distraction or not is actually a distraction in itself. Um, quite of a, an inception-like theory there. But it, it, I don't know, I, I feel like Odell Beckham can just come out here and without Sam Shields, he could easily go off at like 150 yards and, and have like a Julio Jones-type performance and keep them in this match. But on the other side of the ball, I'm not, I don't know what's going on with the Giants. They've added Olivier Vernon and Jason Pierre-Paul, but the pass rush isn't as elite as I thought it would be. And their defense is, you know, 21st in the NFL right now, uh, you know, in DVOA. So they're not quite there yet, despite the pieces there. It's going to be tough for them to run the ball, though, with Snacks Harrison and Hankins are playing really, really well in, in the middle. So if they can't control the clock and they like to sit on the lead, I agree with you. I think the Giants could keep it close, but... I just find it hard tipping against Green Bay after a bye week and an extended period with the Giants on a short week. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Green Bay. Mm. You've, you've convinced me. I don't, I don't think Odell's going to have that big a game. <laughs> I do think he's going to be kept in check most of the game still. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know, I think his head's elsewhere. and yep. I don't know. I don't know if he's loving the game at the moment. Mm. By the way, uh, you know our sponsors are William Hill. Uh, they they do TV specials now for uh, for all the games that are on TV, the Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night football. So a lot of yep. them are a lot of them are about the the, uh, the big time players. So if you think Odell Beckham is going to have a big game, you can get on get on him to have over two hundred yards at like nine dollars and things like that. So if you want to check that out, there are always fun little prop bets to have on those um, you know Sunday night, Monday night footballs, especially. If you get a game like Drew Stanton versus Blaine Gabbert, you can have a little few prop bets to at least make the game somewhat interesting uh, going forward. So uh, we'll wait and see. And there's some Tom Brady. The, ne- the next, the, the next big game that Julio's. You know, I wonder if they have a 300 yard Three, over th- over 300 yards. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You can get Tom Brady at twenty six dollars to throw six yeah. or more touchdown passes this week in his return. <laughs> Tempting. How much? Twenty six dollars. Yeah. It is tempting, eh? Nah, they'll, they'll just run it. It's very good. Uh, you know, and if you think Jordy Nelson will have over 150 receiving yards at $9 as well. So there's some there's some interesting prop bets for you guys if you really want to jump into those. But we're both taking Green Bay minus seven here, uh, correct? Yep, correct. That is correct. All right, moving on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers plus four, $1.91, taking on Carolina minus four. Some injury news here. Derek Anderson starting at quarterback for Carolina. Cam Newton is out with a concussion. I think that's a smart move by Carolina. Even if Newton was probably okay to play, I think resting him might be better long-term, not just for the season, but possibly his career. If, if there is some legitimate concussion issues, you really got to think about the next few years. I know your Super Bowl window is short and you've got all these players on defense, but you need to 
make sure Cam Newton isn't going to have these headaches and in- injuries you know, down the line in a few months' time and things like that. So I think resting him is, is the right thing to do. Yeah, uh, I think that's a smart thing to do with any situation when it comes to a concussion. It's yep. just to yep. you know, take the slow approach. Don't rush them back into right. it because as important there's no as such are. thing as a small or large concussion. So um, mm. saying that, though, I can't see... I know is as ridiculous as it sounds, but I don't see Anderson as that much of a downgrade at the moment. He's, he played well when he came in. Um, yeah, yeah, and Newton against has the Bucks, not been anyway. playing well at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Newton's played Newton played really well in week one, but it's clear that like he's been hampered with these concussion issues. He doesn't look one hundred percent. And against the Bucks team, obviously, I don't think there is that much of a difference. And that seems harsh because Kevin Newton is your reigning MVP. But it's not like he's playing Seattle's defense. Obviously, if you're playing Seattle, then you want Cam because he's his ability to pick up third down, first downs with his legs and things like that. But against this Bucks defense that's missing Robert Ayers, Gerald McCoy, Clinton McDonald, like they're missing a whole heap of players here. I am a product of pain and suffering. And on the other side of the ball as well, Tampa Bay, Cecil Shorts is out, Charles Sims and Doug Martin are out. So they've, they've lost a lot of players through injury at the moment. I'm interested now to watch Peyton Barber. Uh, is there. I know Jacuz Rogers will be the starter. Remember Matt Waldman talking about Peyton Barber as a guy to keep an eye yep. on and he's played well in the he played well in the preseason. I don't know, this is source like I'm really actually excited to watch Peyton Barber. I think this is like a, a Matt Waldman RSP game. This is something to um you know revel at Matt Waldman's immense like scouting ability and you know, deep dive finds and Peyton Barber could be a star on Monday night football. Even saying that I'm taking Carolina to win minus four. It's a you just got absolutely torched. By the way, Julio Jones got a guy fired. <laughs> Bene Benique gone, just sacked. Like, imagine being no, so good at your job that you just like. <laughs> it's just getting people fired. Yeah, yeah I know. as people that are mediocre at their jobs and are mediocre at a podcast, we revel at the fact that Julio Jones is just amazing. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm going Carolina as well, minus four. I think that, uh, I don't know, until I see something from this Tampa Bay team that they're going to turn their season around, they just, I don't know, they look very mm. below average. Yeah, last week I feel like a little bit of a write-off. Denver's defense is really tough, and they played through a monsoon. It was so muddy in the last second half and, and the rain and everything. But um, if if they are going to win this game with all the injuries at running back, it's just going to be Mike Evans doing Julio Jones to Carolina secondary. And it's... It has potential. If if Winston and Mike Evans are on and set the tone early, I, I could see an upset happening, but I just think that Carolina on the other side of the ball, Tampa Bay can't stop anything, and with the injuries they've got on their defense, I think Kelvin Benjamin, Greg Olsen will have some big games, so we're taking Carolina minus four. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for our Lock of the Week. The Wooten Y Lock of the Week, proudly brought to you by William Hill. Faster, easier betting. All right, Wooten. We're currently 2-8 and eight on our locks of the week. Just an abysmal, abysmal start to the season. This is our worst season to date. Finally, when we have a sponsored lock of the week segment, we turn to water. But who do you like this week? We've got to turn it around. We can we can salvage this sinking ship. Um, all right. I think we mentioned it earlier. So I think Pittsburgh minus seven against the New York Jets is money. Is money? Yeah, I, I agree with money. that. That's one that I really enjoyed. I think that's one I'm going to put in a lot of my parlays, as I said earlier in the show. Uh, I like Denver minus four and a half. I think they'll win this game. And not comfortably, but I think uh, they'll win this game by a touchdown or 10 points and they'll, they'll cover the line. 
some other some other bets that I really like. Cincinnati minus one, obviously, and Minnesota minus seven also come to mind. And, and Baltimore. It's a pretty good betting week this week compared to previous weeks. I'm I'm actually uh, enjoying a few of the lines here. It's not as high as I thought they would be, so I'm happy to pick some of those off. Yeah, no, I, I do like Minnesota minus seven as well. I think they'd be my two picks: Pittsburgh and Minnesota minus seven each. Yep, just uh, parlay. You know our our two elite teams. We had five in our elite teams at the quarter pole and Minnesota and Pittsburgh were, were two of those. So taking them against teams that are struggling, uh, even though Houston are 3-1, I still think they're a very bad 3-1 team. So we'll see how we go. All right, that uh, that wraps up the lock of the week and that wraps up the show, Josh. Uh, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the rest of your no birthday. Problem. Enjoy the rest of your birthday weekend and we'll be back on uh, Tuesday night to recap a, a week five a week five game, you know, all the week five games, sorry, and uh, not just one. That would be a weird show. Just talk about <laughs> one game. Um, and uh, yeah. What game are we talking about this week? Uh, <laughs> what about Buffalo or Los Angeles? Yeah, it sounds great. It would be fantastic. But anyway, that yeah, wraps up the show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow Josh at... Woot, etc. You can buy Lunar Bowl tickets at lunarpark.com or just search Lunar Bowl on Google. You can listen to the show on... Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Wooshka, Radio Hub, anywhere, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, hit us up. 